We're going to look at the book of Luke, chapter number 8. Book of Luke, chapter number 8. We're going to look at verse number 41. Bishop, we just need to hear your voice. Just shout, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Okay, I'm feeling better now. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Luke, chapter number 8, and verse number 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age. Everyone say 12 years old. And she lay a dying, but as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood... 12 years, everyone say 12 years, which had, which had spent all her living upon physicians and neither could be healed by any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. Just a side note, this is the prayer shawl. He was wearing a prayer shawl and that's what she touched. <clears throat> and immediately her issue of blood Stenched. It's a nice King's English 16th century word. It stenched or it stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, someone has touched me. For I perceive that virtue, everyone say virtue. Say it one more time, say virtue. Virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him all before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, Maid, arise. And her spirit came in again, and she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. I'm going to talk to you about how to get your virtue back. How to get your virtue back. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for your people tonight. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would cause your word to lift us, to edify us, to bring us revelation and understanding, to open up our minds and hearts, oh God, that you may do in us a thorough and complete work and that we will be charged up again with the power of the Holy Ghost. I bind every resisting spirit, whether human or demonic, and I pray your perfect will will be done tonight. Let there be demonstration of the Spirit of God with power to confirm that this indeed is your revealed word. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Turn around and say, I want some more virtue. And then you may be seated. When you use the term virtue in this context, we are not talking about moral goodness. Someone being virtuous. When we use the term virtue here, it is translated the same word that you would use for power. It's dunamis. The difference between power and authority is one deals with ability and the other one deals with permission. Authority is the one that has the right to say yes or no to your circumstance. The one to release or to restrain something. When you have authority, you say you, say you can go or, you can, or, or you'll have to come back. You, you, you bind or you loose if you are in authority. But dunamis is power. Power is the ability to do what you have permission to do. So he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive dunamis. You receive power. Everyone say power. Say, I've got power. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have divine enabling through the grace of God to do what you could not do by yourself. So when you're talking about virtue, this is the principle that is the principle of ministry, is that what fuels ministry is virtue. Your ability to minister to someone is directly tied to how much virtue or how much power you have. And so Jesus, being our example, is limiting himself as men are limited. As God, there is no limit to his power. There is no end to his energy. He never gets tired. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never takes a day off. He never has to go away on vacation. God is a constable, a constant renewable source of energy. God is so beyond our comprehension that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. The earth itself could never contain him. The universe is not big enough to constrain him. He is pure energy. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Think about how bright the sun is. That's just one of his little servants that he has. All of that energy in the sun just came out from God. The sun will eventually burn out of all of its gases, but the one that made him will continue forever and ever and ever. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And he is God. Everyone say he's God. God doesn't run out of anything. He doesn't run out of power. He doesn't run out of wisdom. He doesn't run out of grace. He doesn't run out of hope. He doesn't run out of love. He doesn't run out of anything. God is constantly the same. He said, I am God and I change not. If he did it then, he can still do it right now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many are glad that God never runs out of his power? But when Jesus was in the earth, he was God manifest in the flesh. And he came in the flesh to win in the flesh because that's what we have to use to win in. We have flesh. We wrestle in flesh. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we still are in flesh and we have blood. And so this is where the war rages. So Jesus is 
restricting himself, as it were. He is limiting himself to become like us. He is taking on our limitations. He came to be like us. And he came to be like us so we could be like him. That was the whole purpose. And so everything that Jesus did in the New Testament, he did as an anointed man of God. So that everything that he did could be duplicated. If you believe on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do. He fully intended for us to do the things that he did. To copy him. To be imitators of Christ. That's what Christians are. Christ followers or, or, or imitators of Christ. And so what we see in this particular story is that when we are dealing with human beings, virtue is limited. There is only so much virtue that we have. There's only so much strength you have in your physical body to do what you need to do. There's only so much computing power that you have in your mind to process. After a while, you just have to take a break. There's only so much emotionally you can endure until something's got to give. You either have a breakdown or you fall asleep or you pass out or you just check out, you know, and you just don't even care anymore. And spiritually, it's the same way. There's only so much virtue that we have. This is the energy that functions ministry is virtue. And this is where the term burnout comes from. Hear, hear, this, hear this terminology, I'm just burned out. What does that mean? I've used all the virtue I have left and I'd like to do it, but you know what? I just can't. It's a feeling that many of you probably had Sunday evening. It was glorious. It was for a good cause. <laughs> I'm thankful I was spent, as, as, as Brother Tisdale told us, and it was a great purchase of what we bought with how God spent us. But now that I'm spent, I am spent. And I feel the symptoms of all that spending. <laughs> This is exactly what Jesus was saying here. He was teaching us the principle of how virtue operates. Virtue operates on this principle. It operates on the principle of faith. Operates on the principle of faith. The all supply of God is accessed by faith. So here's the need. The need is a 12-year-old little girl is dying. They've done everything they can do to try to help her. She's not getting any better. Somebody tells Jairus, hey, that healer man, that Jesus guy, he's not far away. Maybe he can help. And it comes into his spirit. Faith comes into his spirit. Now, according to the measure of faith that he had is the framework of how ministry would operate in his life. If you had a higher dimension of faith, you'd be like the centurion that said, you don't have to come to my house, Jesus. All you have to do is speak the word and it will happen. But you see, the centurion had a higher level of faith than Jairus had. Jairus had faith, but he believed that Jesus had to lay his hands upon that girl and he had to come into her into the house, into her bedroom to where she was for her to be healed. But I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He'll work with whatever kind of faith you've got. 
If you don't have centurion faith, you know what? He may prefer that, but it doesn't have to be centurion faith. If you have any faith at all, he'll say, I'll come to your house. He told him, I'll gladly come to your house. I'll sure I can see faith manifested in you. And if that's the way it has to work for you, I'll work it that way. There's been lots of times when I've traveled and I could, and I was in services with, with churches and I realized that they'd only been exposed to so much. And I knew that God wanted to take them farther than where they were. But I also knew that if we tried to take them beyond where they were comfortable in their own faith, it may be too much for them. And instead, they would just shut down and not be open at all. And so I had to learn what they could handle and how far they could go. And I'll never forget the service when God just said, just give an altar call. I felt so much stuff happening, what God wanted to do. He said, just give an altar call and work and pray for them in the altars and don't let them know what you know or what you see. He said, this is how they're used to receiving is just coming into the altar. And so instead of saying anything in the mic about the things that I was feeling, I put the mic down and walked through the altar. And then God just began to reveal things to people. Every person that I touched, God was revealing things. And they were getting healed and all kinds of things were happening. And after the service, they came up, wow, man, God just really did something for me. It was unusual. And they were able to receive because that's how their faith had geared themselves to receive from God. I receive in the altar. I can't receive in the pew. But we understand that, that at the house of Cornelius, while they heard the word. They never had a chance to give what we would call an altar call. It was just right where they were sitting. The Holy Ghost fell on them. And so it's wherever your faith connects with God, that's when it happens. And so, so here's Jairus coming to Jesus. He falls down his feet. My little girl, she's sick. If you would just come to my house, it would be, I know it would happen. Just come. Jesus says, I will come. At that moment, virtue comes into Jesus. It's virtue to heal a 12-year-old girl. That's the virtue that he has. But because his faith says you have to lay your hands on her, then that means he's going to have to walk from where he is to Jairus' house. And between the 12-year-old little girl that can't come to Jesus is a multitude of people that as soon as they see him, they throng him. Oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Hi, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, hey, Jesus. It's Jesus over there. Hey, it's Jesus. And they're pressing in. I want to see Jesus. And they're thronging him. And the disciples are going, get away. The master's going somewhere, please. And they're bumping into him. And Jesus is smiling and just touching people and walking. And Jairus is, is going this, this way. This, this, this way. Wiping the tears. My girl, my girl. This this way. And Jesus is turning to the side. And the multitude is thronging him. And while that virtue is in Jesus, a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, she sees the virtue. She perceives that there's virtue in him right now for healing. And something inside of herself, the Bible said she said within herself. There's faith again. She spoke internally. If you're going to get something from God, it's not just what you hear outside. It's something that happens to you on the inside. There's something in you that says, I can get my miracle tonight. It's something turns over inside of you. says, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. I, I, I'm going to get a breakthrough tonight. I'm going to church. I'm getting a word. I can feel it. I can sense it. How do you know? I don't know. There's just, hmm. 
I just feel the power. I sense the power of God. I'm aware that God is up to something. You see, Jesus was on his way to do a miracle. God was up to something. And somebody else picked up that God was up to something and said, I want some too. And so if you can sense that God is up to something, if you have just a little bit of faith inside of you that turns over and says, I can have it too, you can just go get it. And that's exactly what she did. She crawled behind and she touched the hem of his garment. Now, I don't have time to go into the Jewish significance of the, of the tzitzit, which is the little, the little prayer uh, strings that hang on the bottom of the prayer shawl. But that's what she touched. There was there all the significance of the five knots and the 613 strings and how they're all laid together and representing the laws, the laws of God and the, and the five books of Moses and representing of the Ten Commandments and all of those things tied into what he was wearing. He was literally clothed in doctrine. He was literally clothed in the, in the, in the, 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 the summation of the law and the prophets by wearing that prayer shawl. There's an old scripture in, in the prophets that said he would arise with healing in his wings. And they would call when they would wear their prayer shawls and they'd put them over their heads. The the prayer shawl would would look like a wing and they would call the corner of the prayer shawl wings. And so when she saw him walking by with his prayer shawl, that scripture comes into her mind. He will rise with healing in his wings. And she said, all I've got to do is touch the garment. All I have to do is touch the prayer shawl. All I've got to do is touch the symbol of his contact with God and I'll be healed. She didn't say I have to touch him. I just have to touch that prayer shawl. And she touched it. And the moment she touched it, 12 years of pain went away just like that. Now, there were all these people that were bumping into Jesus and touching Jesus. And they were walking down the road and Jairus is still showing them the way and trying to push the people away. Please, excuse me, excuse me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Jesus just stops. Wait a minute. Virtue just left me. And I can't go to Jairus' house without virtue. I felt it leave me. And until I know where the virtue went, I can't take another step. This is the mistake that we make sometimes. Is that virtue goes out of us, but we keep going. This is how people get burned out is that they feel an obligation to keep following Jairus, even though somebody just took their virtue. The virtue that was intended for Jairus' daughter just got swallowed up in the woman with the issue of blood. There was a daughter that was passive 12 years, couldn't get up on her bed, that was canceled out by active 12 years. There was another level of faith that, that was ahead of where Jairus was, that reached out and got that virtue. And Jesus said, the virtue went out. I've got to know where it went. Now, here's the principle of virtue. If you don't know where the virtue went, you cannot get your virtue back. If you do not see what it produced, then it sabotages your ability to progress in ministry. All he wanted to know is what did that virtue do? Because when virtue goes out, it's supposed to produce something. 
I expect it to happen. When I pray, if I expend virtue, I expect something to happen. If I worship and I give some virtue up, I expect something to be, there to be a response. If the vapor goes up, the rain comes back down, right? If I pray with somebody else, if I touch somebody else and virtue goes out of me, I expect something to happen. And so if nothing happens, I can only do that so many times until I'm going to stop. And so what Jesus did is before he got exhausted and before he got to Jairus' house and didn't have anything and couldn't raise the woman up, he just stopped and said, the virtue went out. I got to know where it went. Because when it goes out of me, I know it produces something. But if I can't see what it produced, then I, don't, I can't get that virtue back. Virtue comes back when you see the results of the virtue. Let me explain. Let me just give you a really practical example. If I were to have a healing line right now, line everybody up. Anybody that needs healing in your body, step out in the aisle right now. If I prayed for the first person and they didn't get healed... And we said, okay, you can just sit down. We'll, 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 we'll pray again later. I pray for the second person, and they don't get healed. If I pray for the third person, guess what? The line starts going away now. People start saying, you know, I, <laughs> the whole place gets really stagnant. Everybody starts looking around, looking at their watches. Everyone's getting really nervous, and they're saying, I wish the guy would just stop. And guess what happens with me? I'm like, I'm, I've got just a little sputter left. Okay, we're going to pray one more time in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're smart, you'd stop at the first one that didn't get healed and try to figure out what happened. But some people just keep pushing, 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 pushing because they're going to try to make something happen and their virtue's already been, 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 been sucked up. Now, let's switch it around. Let's just say that the first person I touched, I walked up and I said, in the name of Jesus, and they fell on the floor, flopped around, got up and said, "Woo, my God, I'm healed. What do you think would have happened? We'd all clapped and shouted. People started getting excited. The line would get longer. Right? And then what would happen to me? What happened to me? I'd go, all right, bring them on, bring them on. I'm ready to go. Why? It's working. I prayed, boom, it happened. What happens? As soon as I see the miracle happen, virtue comes right back because I saw the results. And so now I'm ready for the next person because I'm loaded now. Boom, let's pray something. Boom. Now this is a bigger deal. This is cancer or this is this. This is that. All right, doesn't matter to God. We can pray. Well, we pray. Every time if I see the results of what happened, I have more virtue to keep on praying. God showed Moses an image. He, He took him in the beginning of his ministry. He showed him a tree that had the fire in the tree, but the tree was not consumed. He was showing him a picture of ministry. I'm going to put the fire on you. It's going to burn all around you. You're going to burn up, but you're not going to burn out. It's not going to be able to consume you. It's going to constantly be renewed. This is what God wants. God wants everybody that serves to get renewed in their service. God wants everyone that gives to be revitalized in their giving. Give, and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's what the Bible says. This is the principle. If the virtue goes out, the virtue is supposed to come back. If you cast your bread on the waters, it's going to come back to you. This is the principle. It's the principle of flow. Everyone say flow. 
What Satan wants to do is shut off the flow in you. Now, this is where we have to learn three different things, three different ways virtue goes out, okay? Three different ways virtue goes out. And i got to look at my clock so I don't destroy some of your virtue by taking here too long, okay? Three ways virtue goes out. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Number one, immediate and legitimate needs. Everyone say immediate and legitimate needs. When people manifest faith for an immediate, legitimate need, virtue goes out. It was an immediate, legitimate need. The woman with the issue of blood, she reached up. She got it right now. He felt it right now, and she was healed right now. And so as soon as she came to him and said, I was healed. I touched you. I just said to myself, if I could touch the hem of your garment, if I could just touch your prayer shawl, the moment I touched it, it was so amazing. I felt it. And he said, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. He said, go your way. Go in peace. You're whole. You're healed. Your faith made you whole. Isn't that wonderful, everybody? And what happened is the virtue came back. He feels the virtue back. And just about that time, Jairus puts his head down. She got my daughter's miracle. We didn't make it in time. She took it from my daughter. And they said, don't trouble the master anymore. She's not sick. She's dead. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not over yet. Take me to her. Go ahead, take me there. Why? Because when the virtue comes back, it always comes back on a higher level than how it went out. It came in to heal, but it came back in to raise her up from the dead. So whenever virtue goes out, it goes out on one level, but when it comes back, it always comes back just a little bit stronger than how it went out. When it's immediate, legitimate needs, it's a wonderful thing. Each time it flows out, when it comes back, always comes back stronger. Always feel better. That's why it's so important that you tell people what happens. If somebody is pr- prays for you and something happened when they prayed for you, don't let them go home going, well, I don't know. I thought I prayed. I thought I heard from God. I thought that was the right prayer. You've got to go home and call them on the phone and say, hey, I just got to let you know, when you prayed for me in the service today, or before they leave that service, you tell them, hey, when you prayed for me, I want you to know something changed. Something happened. I felt the difference when you prayed for me. When we have a, a guest evangelist that comes and speaks for us, many of you went to either my dad or to... Uh, to a Brother Tisdale and told him that puts virtue back in them when you say, that was a word from God. That was exactly what I needed. I wish I could have heard more. What we were doing on Friday night for the bishop was saying, 50 years of pouring out and giving your virtue. You know what we want to do, Bishop? We want to put a whole boatload of virtue back in you and just let you know how much we appreciate what you've done. There's something that happens now. I mean, he's good for another. I mean, he could probably walk on water now. Uh, you need a good prayer. This is the guy to go to right about now. I mean, he could just, you may not even have to touch you. He might just breathe on you or something, you know, and just. Benny Hinn won't have anything on. You know, the bishop. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating a tiny bit, but you understand what I'm saying. 
is, is that, that when the virtue comes back, there's something wonderful about that. There's something awesome about feeling that virtue come back. Because you know, hey, I felt it go out. I want to know if it made a difference. Okay, the second way that virtue goes out is, is legitimate but delayed. Legitimate but delayed circumstances. Let me give you an example. When Peter was thrown in prison, the church learned the importance of praying for the ministry. Because they assumed when James was taken that he could handle himself. And he was killed with the sword before anything happened. Before they could do anything about it. And so when they took Peter also, the church changed their posture and said, you know what, maybe the ministry does need us to pray for them. And so they had round-the-clock prayer for the Apostle Peter that the same thing that happened to James would not happen to the Apostle Peter. So they started praying 24 hours a day. They prayed all day and all night. Not just one day, not just two days, but an entire week they prayed and they fasted. Until finally on the last night, when the morning they were coming to take Peter to kill him, an angel slips into the, into the prison, past the three doors, knocks out all the guards, puts them to sleep, tells Peter to stand up and put on his coat. He puts his coat on. The chains fall off. He says, put on your shoes. He says, okay. He walks out. And the Bible says he thought he was seeing a vision or it was just a dream or something. He didn't even know what he's doing. And he walks through the doors and sees the doors open by themselves. Goes to the gate of the city. Opens by itself. Then once he gets on a street that he knows, the angel goes away and suddenly he feels cold. And he goes, oh, well, this isn't a dream. This is really happening to me. That, there was an angel. Well, where do I go? He goes to the house of the people that are praying. He is directed straight to the house of John Mark, and they're praying. He knocks on the door, and they're still praying. You know what they're praying? Oh, God, pull the apostle Peter out of that prison. Oh, God, bring him out. <laughs> and he's knocking on the door, and they don't know it. And they're expending all this energy. Oh, God. And he's knocking. Hello, will somebody please let me in? And they are so much in disbelief because they've been praying the same prayer for so long without having any results. That when he's knocking at the door, they said, it's Peter's spirit. It's his angel. It's not really him. And he's going, no, I'm cold out here. Would you please, somebody let me in. And Rhoda goes, hey, that is you, Peter, isn't it? She opens the door. He steps in. I've been telling you it's me. How did you get here? You all prayed me out. Oh, and they walk in and they see him. And they're astonished that it finally happened. Now, you see, this is how, this is how memorial prayer works is that they, they did not feel a release from the Holy Ghost to stop praying. They prayed the first day, but they didn't feel a release. There was still virtue that was flowing. So they just kept on praying. They just kept on praying. They just kept on praying. And when God puts that kind of prayer on you, where you just keep on praying until, then you know that that virtue is going somewhere. You're not seeing it just yet. They didn't know about it yet, but somewhere in the heavens, the angels were dispatched. Somewhere while they were praying, it purchased gates to be opened, chains to fall off, a prisoner to come out of his prison. They did not know all of those details until he knocked on the door, but they prayed him through all of those stages because they stayed with it. And so there are some things that you are pouring virtue into for a long time. Prayers that you're praying for a long time because you know it's legitimate. You know it's the will of God. You have a word about that situation. You keep praying it. Touch somebody say keep praying. 
there'll be virtue enough for you to keep praying until it happens. Because folks, once that day comes and that door opens, there's going to be a flood of virtue that comes back in and you're going to be astonished. It's going to be like a surge of power. Can you imagine? It probably almost blinded them when they saw Peter standing there. It's really you. It's really me. Wow. Hey, it worked. It finally worked. Hallelujah. And what I'm telling you is that when we're praying for legitimate issues and virtue flows out, even if you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not happening. You just stay with it. You keep trusting God. You keep believing God because there'll be a point when there'll be a knock on the door and there will be your answer. And here comes a flood and you'll say, thank you, God. I never forget this little church in, in uh, De Quincey where this she was, she was 92, I think. She came up to me, this little woman, this little grandma comes up, and she, she was tough, man. She, was, she scrunched her fist. She got her fist up, and she said, I've been praying for my son for 38 years. And she punches me like that. You pray for him for a while. She goes, I'm sick of it. She goes, <laughs> she goes he needs to get back to God. She goes like that. I said, Okay, I'll pray with you. So I kind of prayed with her a little bit. I heard about a year later that he'd come into the church. Finally, after all those years, I bet you grandma was pretty happy when he came into the church. Don't you think after all, don't you think she would have been disappointed if she would have stopped praying? If she'd given up after she'd invested all those years, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes there's long waiting periods before that virtue that we've been throwing at something finally produces. But if it's a legitimate situation, then you can just keep trusting God. At some point, that virtue, that power of the Holy Ghost, it will do all the things that are necessary to finally bring it to pass. Let's clap our hands and let's thank the Lord for that. Now, there is a third, there is a third, which is an illegitimate, an illegitimate, untimely sabotage of your virtue. There are some people and there are some circumstances that are like black holes. They don't want to get better. They don't really want to get fixed. They just want to take from you. They want to use you as uh, uh, an excuse for why they didn't get better. And so they ask you to pray for them or to help them. And because you're used to pouring out and they see you pour out, and because you're used to getting results and they see you get results, then you feel this emotional obligation to them that, well, I helped somebody else. Who am I to discriminate between needs and which person I'm going to pray for and who I'm not going to pray for. And so what do you do? You, you, you go in there, you dive in and you start praying and they're getting attention. They're taking your virtue, but they're not manifesting faith. And if they don't manifest faith, that virtue will have no bearing upon their circumstances. And what it will do is it will destroy your faith in the process. Mark chapter 9 tells us a classic example. Came to Jesus and said, if you can do anything, have compassion on my son. He's asking Jesus to pray for him, but he says, if you can do anything. You're saying an if to Jesus. Right, right, if. If you can do anything. You know, you can create worlds, raise the dead, 
you know, he just throws stars into the, into the atmosphere. But if you can do anything. But what does he say? I don't know if you can do anything, but I definitely want you to have compassion. And there are some people that don't know if they believe that God can change their situation, but they want you to have compassion on them. There are times when God has told me to stop praying for people. Because I was investing virtue in people that were not getting fixed. And what they were doing is they were taking the virtue that belonged to Jairus' daughter and belonged to the woman with the issue of blood. They were, they, were, they were manifesting similar symptoms, but they weren't manifesting faith. And what happens is it sabotages your ability to keep ministering because all it takes is two or three of those kind of situations and you don't have anything left for people. Why? You got burned. You got hurt. You got drained dry. Now you don't have anything left. And so what God is saying to us is he wants us to operate with a principle of faith. Jesus stopped and said, okay, I've got to survey what just happened. Somebody took my virtue and I want to know what it is. I want to know who it is. I've got to address it right now. I won't take another step until I address where did the virtue go? Why? Because when virtue goes out, it's supposed to come back in. When virtue goes out, I'm supposed to get my virtue back. Now, I'll tell you what happens when we see those illegitimate circumstances, those illegitimate needs that come along to try to pretend and to sabotage your legitimate faith and ministry and virtue. When you identify what they are, and then you take control of that by cutting off those emotional obligations, then immediately you're, you're connected again to the power source. And it's amazing how ministry begins to flow because you learn the lesson. Let me give you an example. There was a, a lady that I dealt with uh, several years ago now, and I knew that she had been abused. I didn't know to what degree, but I knew it was severe. And I preached a message on forgiveness and healing and things like this. And she came and she walked down and got right between these, these two pews like this on the right side of the church. Uh, my right, their left. And, and, uh, and so I went down to her and I said, are you ready to forgive? Are you ready to forgive? And she said, no, I can't. I can't forgive. I, I won't forgive. And I said, okay, I'm not praying for you. And I turned around and walked away. And... Some of the people were mad at me. They came to me. They said, I can't believe you would just treat her so harshly and be so mean like that. She is a poor, broken soul. Don't you know what she's been through? I said, I know exactly what she's been through, and I'm trying to help her. Well, I don't understand how you walking away from her is going to help her. I said, I can't help her until she's ready for me to help her. And if I just pray for her now, even when she said, I'm not willing to forgive, all I'm doing is making her again feel how impossible her circumstance is because I prayed for her and nothing changed. So then she goes home with this testimony. Well, you see, the man of God even prayed for me and nothing happened. So it must be that I'm not ever going to get out of this. So I walked away. And I watched her, and then she started breaking. I saw her tremble. She started shaking. She knew I was right. So then I came back, gentle. Are you ready for me to pray with you now? I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. Now, I'm going to help you. I'll help you pray the prayer, but you have to pray it if you want to be free. Do you want to be free? Yes. Are you ready to forgive? 
I want to. I will help you with the prayer. Will you just let me pray the words and you repeat after me? Okay. Oh, God. It was horrible what they did to me. It was horrible what they did to me. And I'm really mad. I'm really mad. And I've been mad for a long time. And I walked her through those emotions and she prayed it. And the tears were just streaming down her face. But by your strength and by your grace, I forgive. And once she says the words, the river starts flowing. I can feel the virtue. And then the breakthrough comes and the hands go up. And she starts speaking in tongues. And God starts her process of being free. That could have been one of those situations where it would have just sucked all the energy out of me. And I would have walked out of that service and felt like a total failure. But I had been through those scenarios enough times that I knew that if I would turn it from something that, would, that looked illegitimate and we would address it as such, it could turn back into something where we could really get a breakthrough and we could have some answers in that situation. So what happens to me now? Now I just had a breakthrough. Virtue comes back. Woo! I'm ready to pray again now because I saw some results in the situation. When you address those aspects, those areas in your life where you're pouring, pouring, pouring into something where nothing changes, that's when you have to stop and assess. Okay, virtue went out. Where did it go? Why did it leave? Who took it? And how do I get it back? And when you see those situations and you make that address, either they will manifest faith and show you the miracle, or you will see progress in the prayers that you've been praying that are, that are delayed, that are, that are legitimate, but they are delayed. Or you will see the illegitimacy of the situation confirmed to you, and you'll see the reason why you did what you did and how it was the wisdom of God, and God turns the scenario around. Now, let me, let me take one more minute and let me prophesy now. This is 2012. There was a woman who had an issue of blood 12 years. And there was a little girl that was 12 years old. And what we are seeing right now is God is teaching us the principle of virtue because God is both healing us making us whole in 2012, and he's also going to revive us and restore us back to the life that we once had. This is a year in which God is extending a powerful force of his spirit to bring healing and wholeness and deliverance. And, and if, if, if it goes to the point where it seems like we couldn't get the healing, don't worry about it. He's even got enough power to raise the dead and turn around what seems to be a lifeless and impossible scenario. That's the power that the Holy Spirit has. And that's what God is releasing in 2012 upon the earth. It's a brand new thing that God is doing in the church. We're finally coming to a place of spiritual authority, spiritual maturity, where we have enough experience in ministry where we can handle this level, where all they have to do is touch us. All they have to do is be in this atmosphere. All they have to do is see the symbols of our prayer and touch that prayer shawl. Boom! And the miracle can happen. And God can see 
send us right to where they are. And we can walk in, know that God has fully vested us with more than enough to raise them up. Even when everybody else is laughing, hallelujah, we can walk in and have the last laugh. I believe that's what's going to happen when it's all said and done. We're going to have the last laugh in this scenario. Would you stand up and clap your hands to the Lord and would you give him praise right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I think tonight we just need to all get our virtue back. So I just want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, you just did a tremendous job this weekend. (laughs) If you were touched by somebody this weekend, if you saw the way somebody, somebody did something awesome, I think it'd be good if you just told them that before you leave tonight. That'd be wonderful if you did that. And I think it's also great if we would tell the Lord how awesome he was. Let's send a little bit of praise back up to him right now. Would you do that? Let's tell the Lord, thank you for all the ways he poured out his spirit. Father, we love you. We worship you. We exalt you. And we thank you, God, because you are such an awesome God. You are so gracious and merciful to us. And I will never take you for granted. I will never take for granted the wonderful grace and the mercy of God. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to speak to you. I want to speak to some of you that have been waiting a long time for miracles to happen, for breakthroughs to happen. This is the year. 2012 is the year. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Jairus thought it was over. He thought somebody got their miracle. And some of you saw somebody else get a miracle, saw somebody else get a breakthrough, saw somebody else get their prayer answered. And you didn't get your prayer answered yet. And your faith ran out. But I'm going to tell you something. While your faith was still intact, you you produced the virtue that was necessary for Jesus to walk into your life. And even after you give up, he's not going to give up. He's going to walk in and say, no, no, no. This was already done in prayer a long time ago. You already spoke this a long time ago. And here it is. Hallelujah. And there's vials of, there's vials of prayers and golden bowls, the Bible says, in eternity. And he's going to turn over those bowls of prayers, those, those vials of prayers that he's been holding on to, tears that he's been caught. He's going to pour them out in the earth. And I'm speaking it to our church, and I'm speaking it into your life right now, that there are breakthroughs that are coming in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think God is an awesome God. And he's blessed us. He's blessed us to sit with him together in heavenly places. And I'm so glad that, it, that it's, it's, it's us. It's you and me together here sitting in those heavenly places. I love all of you, and I want you to just go home tonight and feel refreshed and renewed and knowing that everything that you invested this week, it made a difference, that everything that you poured out it made a difference. Every prayer that you prayed, it made a difference. All the ways that you gave, it made a difference. Every time that you served, every little thing, detail that you handled behind closed doors, it made a difference. 
And I pray that you just get loads and loads of virtue just pouring back in on top of you. I believe this next Sunday is going to be a historic Sunday. I believe we're going to walk into this church and there's going to be an awesome touch of God because we sacrificed so much this last week. And God is going to take that sacrifice, see that sacrifice, see that investment that we made into this church and into the kingdom of God. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to come and say, all right, I'm coming to bless you now. I'm coming to pour out my spirit and we're going to go home full and filled up and ready to keep going with God. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Shake hands with somebody, hug somebody's neck, tell them you love them and you can leave if you want to.